Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. Why watch that TV talk? We've got a TV talk for you. Oh. Uh-huh. We've got a TV season premiere. A couple of those. We have a TV season finale. Bye-bye. For the season. And then we've got a sneak peek. You know, we're getting all this Netflix stuff. Yeah. So I think more and more we're going to be able to spill the beans on netflix's upcoming tv series so keep in tune with that we've got one for you today oh but first let's start with a couple of tv season premieres one on hbo high maintenance is back and boy are they marketing the crap out of the show I mean, every other thing i see is the you know the guys back i see i don't know the show i know of it from you talking about it critic but Everybody, I feel like a lot of people who watch it are so excited to see this guy back because their marketing this year is that the world is nuts and crazy. And, uh, you know, you got to have a person to say, you know, I got a guy. And this guy is, I don't have a guy. I don't have that. I don't have a guy. Do you have a guy? No. Okay, you don't have a guy. No. <laughs> and you would admit it anyway on there. <laughs> I would. No. Oh, okay. But like, I you do not. You don't have a guy? No. Okay. No. And I will never have one. No. I don't think so either. Uh, no. Um, but if you want to have one, go ahead, y'all. Just... Well, hopefully you can get this guy because he's yeah. He seems hey. to be a super friendly. As long <laughs> as you keep it away from me, I'm cool. Now the guy in season four at the opening, he is at a garden. What are they planting? Hmm? Oh, he's helping out there. And as he leaves, he encounters this cute little dog that's missing an eye. Aww. And the dog is so wonderful and, and friendly and all of that. And you know, he has a good time with the dog and then he, it's time for him to go. Well, as he gets on his bike, cause he bikes through the city, the dog is following him. Uh oh. He's like, no, dog, get away. What are you doing? You're going to get hurt. You know what happens with the dog. Aww. You know he takes him with him. Yeah. Or her. I think it's a her, the dog. Okay. And then, because keep in mind in high maintenance, really there are two main storylines per episode. And it's episodic. So it's not like some sort of through line. Mm-hmm. So in the first episode of season four, they brought in This American Life. Yes, the one that you know if you listen to it. Mm. So they're there. The real guy is in oh, the show okay. uh, with a staff. And one of the staff members wants to present the story of her parents. Their breakup, makeup, weird story that only she can tell. But she needs to get them involved. Can she? And while this is going on, she has an anniversary with her boyfriend coming up. And he's coming into the city to have a good time with her. So where does that go? And how in the world does that connect to the other storyline, which is, wait for it, about a guy who goes to the city 
as a singer of telegrams. Yes, it's singing telegrams. Okay. Now, do you know what a singing telegram is? Yeah. Yeah. So he has to dress up maybe as Elvis, maybe as Marilyn Monroe, maybe as someone else and, you know, burst into people at work and start singing whatever he was paid to sing. But he works for tips. Okay. How do these two things intersect? So at the beginning of the episode, I was kind of like, okay, high maintenance, we're just back into it. You're not really making a statement in this season. You're kind of having a little too much fun. By the end of this episode, the way it connects was great. Mm. They just wove all of this together in a way that was really satisfying. And that's the thing about this show, Ref. It is quirky. It is very New York City, a certain part of it. Very much so. But without trying hard. Mm. There's an authenticity to it where I go, you know what? I could see any of these people in New York City. I could meet any of them. Yes, exactly. So I'm looking forward once again to the rest of these episodes. This again is a show for people who want to just see the quirkiness of New York City from an adult perspective, regardless of whether you like the weeds or not. Or have a guy or not. (laughs) Or have a guy or not. So, you know, if you haven't started it and you have HBO, hey, just check out the first couple of episodes. It's, these are half hour episodes anyway. Oh, yeah. And see, but you never know what's coming. So just, (laughs) I will warn you now, it can be very explicit. Okay. Well, talk about explicit. Let's move on to Showtime. We have a series that quite frankly, has explored every nook and cranny of the human psyche and every way to walk down a hallway. I mean, if you're going to walk down a hallway, you need to walk down or, or the Potomac. You need to walk a certain way. And yes, I'm talking about the final, final season of Showtime's Homeland. <laughs> we are in season twelve. There, you. We only have twelve eight, episodes. Season or season eight. Season eight. I'm sorry. We only have twelve episodes. And Mandy Patinkin. Mandy Patinkin. Oh my goodness. My goodness, Mandy Patinkin. You know what, Ref? It has been so long since season seven that yeah, watching the like first episode. Of, yeah, watching the first episode again. I saw that walk and I started laughing. <laughs> I just started laughing because this man is on a mission. He walks faster than people running (laughs) and with more purpose. (laughs) Now, in season eight, Carrie Matheson, played by Clara Danes, has just been released from captivity. She was in Russian captivity. I can't even with Claire. Poor Claire. They put her through it. And remember, she has mental health problems. She needs her medication. Did they give it to her? She was a former CIA agent. What are they doing, the Russians? And who is the main guy interrogating her? What is he up to? Now, this main guy is in another show that ended, The Americans. (gasps) That guy, that Russian guy in The Americans. Yes. Oh, yeah, I like him. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you see him show up at the end of season seven, you go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. And you know in season eight, there's going to be more of him. Because... When Carrie was released back into Saul's arms, she was not in a good state. And the CIA had to rehabilitate her. And there are months that she can't remember. 
She can remember some of it, but not all of it. So did she give away any secrets? Has she been turned? Uh Uh-oh. Remember we started with Brody? Now they're doing it to Carrie? Uh Uh-oh. Hmm. In the final season? So the point of it is this. Saul needs her now to go back into the field because there's a problem with their negotiations with the Taliban in Afghanistan. Oh my gosh, can we get over this? So he needs her to do certain things because there is a complication in those talks. So he goes to the mental health staff at the hospital where Carrie is staying and says, hey, is she ready or not? And they're like, physically, yes. Mentally, maybe. She failed a lie detector test. Oh, dear. But maybe it's because of the situation. Maybe it's not that she's lying. Mm. Who knows? Mm. So she has to go and be an agent again in Afghanistan. But what about her old contacts? They were all burned. The CIA got rid of them. Or were there any that she didn't let them know about? Ooh. What's going on there? And what's going on at the CIA Bureau in Afghanistan with the people who are in charge? Because the person in charge used to work for her. And he's been warned by somebody about her state. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, someone else she worked with, he's the tech guy. You know, nerdy kind of guy. And he's really in the thick of it in the same area because he has to make sure that the communications are coming through in order to help them with these negotiations with the Taliban. So he's with a military outfit and they're like, look, this is dangerous. Who are you? Does he prove himself? And what exactly is Saul's end game here? Do we ever know? (laughs) So that's the beginning of season eight. Here's the thing, watching this after so long, ref, I did have a sneaking feeling like this show is from a different era. Yes, yes. I was like, hmm, I'm glad they're ending this because it doesn't feel like today. Is it still well done? Yeah, I mean, these people are professionals. It just feels a bit out of sync right now with where we are in television. Right. If this show were pitched today, it would not be what it is. This is the producers from 24. So I mean, gracious. So just as you said, that's the kind of thing, if you haven't started Homeland, if you're that kind of person, a 24 person, then this is the show you should check out. Uh, Just know it doesn't feel like right now. It was an interesting thing to watch. I'll see though, across the rest of these episodes, because I'm sure I will finish this. Yeah. I will see how I feel at the end. Well, something else you finished for its first season is Evil, that's on CBS. And it's been renewed for season two. Now, remember, this comes from the Kings. And when we say the Kings, we mean Robert and Michelle King, who did um, The Good Wife, The Good Fight, among others. Um, And I think you're going to talk a little bit about how safe you feel in their arms, because quite frankly, evil had a rocky start for you. Yeah, I just wasn't sold on it. So when I saw it, because I, I saw the first, um, uh, its premiere at the Tribeca TV Festival. Yes. And I was sitting there going, yeah, all right. Like, it's the Kings. It's professional. It looks great. Got it. I understand the setup. But the characters didn't hook me, which is one of their hallmarks. Yes, yes, you yeah. Know. Now, the thing is, and, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, Ref, where we recommend that people give shows two episodes 
to really try to suss out what's going on. Uh, I will tell you, I'll be very honest, that I have changed that for myself. Oh, okay. Now, here's the thing, though. Here's what I'll say. How much do you watch will color, uh, in, in general, I mean, how many TV shows do you watch? How many films have you seen across your history as a person? That will color how far you need to take things when you see a new show. Because the more you see, the less time you need to know. Gotcha. So when it comes to evil, the reason I gave it more time is while it didn't quite gel in the beginning, I could feel okay. I felt like they were going somewhere. It's just a gut feeling. And like yeah. you said, you know the people behind it. So you go, okay, I'll give them more leeway. And it wasn't that I wasn't liking it. It's just I wanted it to click. And then season, I'm sorry, episode four happened. Uh-oh. And this is what was the key. They made it personal so what evil is about is the title so what happens is it is a procedural so uh there is a group of people who work for the catholic church and they investigate to see whether someone needs to be exercised so one person is in training to become a a, a priest and that's played by mike coulter Another person is the scientific kind of guy. He tries to figure out if there's a scientific explanation for it. And that's played by Asif Mandi. And the other is uh, a psychologist played by Katja Herbers. So in episode four, Katja Herbers has like four daughters. Her husband's away guiding people up mountains. <laughs> her mother's played by Christine Lottie. Love her. Well... It gets personal for a family. The evil comes for her kids. And one of the personifications of evil is played by Michael Emerson. Yes, of lost fame. Oh. And Wait, Michael lost fame? Yes. Lost? Yeah, the TV show. And fame. No, 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 no. Uh, the, he's famous for oh, lost. The fame. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I don't remember. I don't think he was in I didn't want to discredit you. I was like, mm, I don't think he was also in that show with uh, the the surveillance show with Taraji and yes, person of interest. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. yeah, he like had a little stint in the practice. He's been in the Saw films. He was in Arrow, right? Gotcha. Look, he was not, Benjamin Linus and Lost. That's all we not need to say. Fame. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of Lost fame. Got it. <laughs> So, he is another psychotherapist yeah. who's the antithesis of Katja Her Herber's character. And, you know, they're used in courtrooms. That's how they kind of meet and clash. Well, it's the kings. You're going to end up in court. There you go. But he weasels his way into the family as well. How? Mm. Mm. Now, Mike Coulter's character, David Acosta, who's in training to be a priest, he has a past. He's struggling with his faith. And does that make him susceptible? How does he connect with God? How does he hear God's voice? Because he heard it once. But how can he hear it again? And does that make him open to the evil that's coming? Huh? And then, of course, I see Madden's character, Ben. He's kind of skeptical of everything. But there's even a little bit of personal stuff for him. But he does help. Uh, Kristen Bouchard, that's Katja's character, the psychologist. He does kind of help her figure out what's going on with her daughters, but not with her mother. I'll tell you that. So in the end of season one, after 13 episodes, 
the evil has burrowed its way even deeper into people and people you may not expect. So the question is going into season two, can we trust what we saw at the end of season one? Is someone actually maybe going to be possessed in some way? Oh, hmm? Also, who is really behind all of this or what? And what does that thing actually look like? We're going to look at it at the end of this season. And procedurally, just so you know, they do deal with evil in ways that you may not expect all the time. Okay. Okay. So it's very interesting what the Kings did here to explore that title. And they have a whole bunch of ideas moving forward as they talked about that to try back the TV festival. So I, after episode four, I was hooked. I really enjoyed it. It's smart. It's fun. If you like this kind of thing, I would say, check it out. If you are thinking, oh, is this for horror fans? It's not quite horror itself. Is it supernatural? Kinda. Okay. If you've got to think of it more like this. If you had a standard procedural and you uh -huh. threw that stuff in it, it would be this. Okay, that's good to know for our listeners. I think yeah. um, with, with the title and with it being on CBS, it's a little conflicting. Mm -hmm. So thank you for the insight. And also thank you for this insight because you're going to catch it here. Netflix has its second season of Narcos Mexico. Now, some of you are like, second season of Narcos? No, there are like a lot of Narcos out. No, no, no. We're talking about the Narcos Mexico, which is the spinoff from Narcos. Mm -hmm. And it's in its second season. And you'll be able to binge watch all 10 starting on February 13th. But the critic was able to go ahead and sift through some of that for you. We're not going to give away any of the great details, so we're not gonna ruin it for you, but he is gonna give us a take of what we can expect because from my understanding, Narcos Mexico, the first season was super, super successful. And the question is, do we still need more? Or could we have left it as season one? <laughs> No, we need more. Oh! Now, Narcos Mexico. Let me tell y'all something. In season two, we are dealing with the aftermath of season one. Aftermath. <laughs> because Felix Gallardo. Oh boy. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Felix, played by Diego Luna. Well, look. He went from being a cop in Sinaloa to being the head of a cartel. What? How does because, that happen? Well, because he's not going to be kept down. You're not going to hold him down. Uh-oh. He has dreams, and so does his wife. Well, I bet she does. Okay. Now, they are on the outs in season two. Why? I won't give that away. Don't also, the DEA, the FBI... The CIA are all after him. Why? The whole alphabet. <laughs> There's something that he did at the end of season one that is unforgivable. Unforgivable. Now, remember, everybody, this is based on true events. These are real people I'm talking about. Okay? So what happened is we no longer have Kiki Camarena from season one, the DEA agent, played by Michael Pena. I won't tell oh. you what happened to him. Oh. Instead, 
we have Scoot McNary's character. I love Scoot. And that is DEA agent Walt Breslin. And Walt is out for Felix's blood. They're gonna get him, they're gonna make him pay. Can they? How can they do this in Mexico? Now, on the other side of things, Felix, as the head of the Guadalajara cartel, he's having people who are looking up at him and going, maybe we need another leader or no leader at all. Cause you don't include us in your decisions. And this is not okay. Because what Felix did was brought together all of these different cartels to create one mega cartel. That was his brilliance. This is what he saw. This is how he sold them on the vision by saying, hey, we can make all this money and rule if we just all come together. But can he keep them together? Because he not only has problems with his new lieutenants, he also has problems from outside Mexico, yes, and Colombia. Because to get certain product, you gotta go through Colombia. Ah. Now, the problem is Colombia, to deliver the product to the United States, has to go through where? Oh, you Mexico. Know where. Yes. Or, like he says in one episode, you can try Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but that's 3,000 miles away. Okay. So, at the end of season two, where is everybody? Are the people who were on top still there? If not, are they still breathing? Also, does the DEA get their revenge? And what's going on with Scoot's character? Why is he so, you know, bent on destruction? Is it just because of what happened in season one or is there more? Also, what about the women who are uh, dealing with these men? And not just wives, but the women who want to be a part of the drug trade themselves. Wait a minute, are we talking about another uh, Queen of the South? Maybe. Now, this is in the 1980s. Oh, okay. That's where we are. Very difficult. Are they going to be listened to? How could they work this out? How can they sell their own product? Is that possible? Also, there is a little character that we saw from season one who is starting to come into his own. Uh-oh. I'll just tell you what his name is or nickname. L. Oh, we know what happens. So, just watching Felix try to navigate all of this stuff is great fun. I have to say that I really do enjoy Narcos Mexico. Now, is every storyline necessary? No. Is everything executed beautifully? No. But overall, if you enjoy this kind of thing, you are going to enjoy this. If you like season one, you have to see season two. If you like Narcos, definitely watch Narcos Mexico. It's better. It's better oh. overall because I'll tell oh. you why, Ref. In Narcos, in Narcos, we got into a holding pattern. Okay? It's like, can we move forward here? Can we do that? So that was the problem until the final, really, the final season of Narcos. They didn't woke up because they went to the Cali cartel. Ah. And the Cali cartel is in Narcos, Mexico, as those pesky Colombians. Okay? So that Escobar is not in this. He's hovering off somewhere away. They mention him every now and then, but that's not the main thing. Now, loved the actor who played, um, uh, 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 Mora, who played Escobar and Narcos, not his problem. It was a storytelling thing. I don't get that same kind of feel here. And I'll tell you this, if you're thinking, okay, 
right. If I haven't seen Narcos, uh, if I haven't seen Narcos Mexico season one, should right. I start this? Yeah. Well, almost think of it this way. Uh, that little movie that we liked, Sicario. Oh, yes. If you loved that, then you'll probably like Narcos Mexico. Oh, now dang it. Those are fighting words. That's what I say. If you loved Sicario, you'll probably like Narcos Mexico. Is it on that level? No. Even Godfather kind of stuff. Is it on that level? No. But it kind of lives in that world in that kind of pacing as well, in urgency. Gotcha. So I'm definitely looking to looking forward to the next season. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. It's, you know, something else is coming. We know they have more storylines because we know they have more history to deal with. Well, there you have it. A sneak peek of Narcos Mexico, which again is fully available on the 13th. You can binge watch all 10 episodes. Overall, what a great variety. What a great time for television. And as you know, and as we always say, we ain't done yet. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.